Hello, welcome back to the Clarkton Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined by Ashley Priest from his hotel room in Australia, in Perth. It's two o'clock UK time, so getting on for night time over there in Australia. I was going to say the time then, but I don't know it. Is it 10? Nine o'clock. Nine, Nine o'clock in the evening. There we go. Okay. It's your last day. Well, your last day covering Villa anyway in Australia with them flying back to the UK ASAP, as far as, I, as, far as I've heard. Um, so this is the last time we'll do a podcast from Australia. We did say that we'd only keep that intro of you with the core cat until Villa lost a game. Technically, I've not lost yet with the, the late goal from Cohen Chambers sealing the draw on the end, but I think you've probably got to yeah. be in a beret with a baguette, haven't you, next week for, for the fans game. So oh, I'll see what I can do in the week. I'll stitch you up again. Um, Man United 2, Aston Villa 2 then, a game very much of two halves to get that cliche out, there, out of the way early doors. Uh, let's start chronologically then with the first half and, and the lineup. I thought that was a strong team when it first came up and everyone on social media was going, that's probably a good indication of what Villa will play against Bournemouth in two weeks. If they play the same way they did in the first half, that won't be the team that starts against Bournemouth. Um, what did you make of it, mate? Yeah, well, it's obvious Gerard likes them two formations, the 4-3-1-2 with Coutinho as the 10. Danny, Danny Ings and Ali Watkins up front. Didn't really work in the first half. Villa, Villa didn't get on the ball. Um, and United dominated and yeah, it wasn't very good. And until the change at half time, Villa kicked on and they've got, they've got, they've got, they've got the rewards for it. But, but yeah, I think that 4 3 3 is better. I mean, Leon Bailey got as pace, you had Kane Kessler Hayden down the right side with pace as well. Mm. Whereas in the first half, it was all too static and couldn't get a foothold of the game. I thought Douglas Weaves was quite good in the second half. He, he got on the ball and, and Villa had a spells of the possession, which they didn't do in the first half. So yeah, Taylor two halves, Dan, like I've said. And plenty of food for thought now going into the Bournemouth game, given Leon Bailey's emergence over the summer. He's been a real mm-hmm. standout. So, so yeah, yeah. That, Ings and Watkins, it's a debate that rages on. Can they play together? That was their first time. They was alongside each other in pre-season. Didn't really work. And as things stand, I think you'd, you'd say one up front for the Bournemouth game. And mm-hmm. who, who takes that, we don't know. But, but yeah, Taylor two halves and much, much better second half, Dan. Much better. Yeah, so the first half was a little bit worrying. I was getting ready to come on here earlier, thinking, oh, it's going to be a, a really kind of depressing podcast. And as much as we've been saying, let's not read too much into the result. Playing the way we did in that first half is it was grim. There was nothing to go, nothing good to come from that first half. You know, losing games is, is whatever in pre-season, but you've got to at least you know have a good workout and, and show a bit of signs that you're working on something. First half was just nothingness. It just didn't seem to gel. There was no balance in, in the in the positions or anything. Thought the midfield was totally bypassed. That even Camaros looked good. Didn't really offer much. And I know the, the conditions and stuff aren't great, but you know, Man United were still pinging it around, looking quite good in the first half. So that's not, that's not something we can blame. I don't really like the, the two up top formation. To be honest, I don't think it worked right because we've said it multiple times last season. You, your only width comes from Dean and Cash, which is fine because they're adequate going forward. But McGinn and Ramsey or whoever it is are covering fullback, and that doesn't get mm-hmm. the best out of them. So I much prefer the second half options with natural wide players with Coutinho coming off the left and, and Bailey from the other side. But then that leaves you with two proper midfielders in Kamara and Louise, and you wonder how does player of the season Jacob Ramsey get into the side? So. Plenty yep. to work on, but that second half system definitely seems to use. definitely seems to work. Yeah. But that's my watch going off there. Sorry. Um, yeah, that second half system was certainly a lot more coherent. I think. Yeah, you look at the both United goals. Well, they came down the opposite flanks. I think Cash was mm. doubled up on. He had no support in front of him, uh, and on the other side as well, the cross into the box and obviously come off Cash. So yeah, they didn't. The fullbacks didn't have too much protection in that first half. It's in Shaw and Rashford doubling up on cash and that's how the first goal come about. And But in the second half, 
you got the wingers tracking back to help the fullbacks out, and you win the ball back, and you, you can run forward that way. I, th- I quite liked it. it was the Brisbane game. No, it was a Leeds game. Sorry, uh, Bailey and Cash together on mm. that right side that worked well. And obviously today, Bailey and Ka- uh, Kessler Hayden were, were, were the two standouts on, on that right side as well. So, so yeah, I think the um, the Coutinho formation with the two strikers very narrow, very rigid, and United got on top of us right from the word go, really. And yeah, there's a lot more fluidity in that second half performance and, and and that system. I think it suits us better. I was at training on days now yesterday, and yet the, the, the team Gerard started with with Coutinho in that pocket and the two strikers. That, that that's what they was working on. So they'll flip between the two systems as the, as the season goes. Yeah. But at the moment, I think it's the four three three that favours us. I don't. It surely, does based on tonight's evidence. Yeah. Yeah, it's just something about it just isn't isn't quite right for me. I don't know why. And I think when you're only going to be playing, or if you're only going to be playing one striker, it's going to be Ings or Watkins. What, what debate you end up with there? And if you're only playing one ten, Coutinho or Buendia, there's a load of people mm-hmm. that will say that that um, Coutinho is like the man. He's he's the star player kind of thing. He's the one you bought in and the one that Gerard likes. But every time mm-hmm. Buendia comes on and plays, I always think, how is he not starting? So if you're only yeah. going to be playing one of them, it's going to be difficult to who you who you pick as well. Um, I think yeah. Louise and Kamara as a two, and then Bailey, Buendia, Coutinho as a three behind one striker is probably our best option at the moment. But again, how Jacob Ramsey gets into that side, I don't quite know unless he plays as, as one of the further forward midfielders as, as like a second ten. Um, it's difficult, but as we've said a few times, it's going to be a, a bigger rotation next season for, for a lot of sides with the, the five substitutes. So maybe gone are the days of just having a starting eleven that's decent with a couple of a couple of good subs. People like Archer, Buendia, mm. Bailey, if they are on the bench, they can come on and impact games probably more so than substitutes have ever done before. Yeah, totally. Yeah, five subs next season. That, that'll benefit the squad as a whole. Gerard wants to add to the squad further, as we know. And next week, once they're back in the UK, we'll start streamlining that squad. A few few will head out, harder, head off. I seen mm. Gilbert today. He did hit it. He wasn't on the team bus. He was on the lot like, the media bus. He wasn't involved today. Gilbert again. That's quite telling. He wasn't involved in the squad. Nor was Bertrand Traore. Augustinson. He wasn't involved as well. So yeah, squad shaping still happening now. Johan Langer just into Perth over the last few days. I seen him yesterday, and um, yeah, bit of squad look, look different in a couple of weeks' time. By the time um, kick off at Bournemouth. So yeah, a lot of squad shaping to do. A lot, of, few few people to head out. Couple more to come in, maybe, and then we'll have a good idea what what Villa can achieve going mm. going forward. Because as much as that first half was getting this reaction of "oh, that's the team that will start at Bournemouth," it was the team that started the second half that was probably the better the better balance side exactly. with Louise in there as well. And, and Kamara is obviously going to start, but that that balance in the second half was was, was much better. Um, mm. We talked a lot about Gerard kind of assessing the squad in, in this three game period and in, in this tour that they've had and. Yeah, a lot of that was met with, oh, he's had eight months to, to assess his squad, but it is kind of the nuts and bolts of, you know, you're there every day with them and this is the time to judge them. What do you think he'll have learned from this two-week period or 10 days or whatever it's been? Yeah, that was one of my questions I was going to ask him before um, <laughs> there's no press afterwards. So, well, yeah. Why is there no uh, press, by the way? Is there, is there a reason for that? I was waiting ages. Um, Gerard didn't come down. At the last minute, Villa decided they need to get to the airport as quickly as, as possible, so... I waved Gerard off from the bus and he went. So, yeah, no press today, sadly. And a few questions lined up about a couple about possible outgoings, business, and obviously how the tour was as a whole and what did he take from it, what did he learn, who stood out, who who disappointed. So, yeah, um, that, that was on my little notepad I was going to ask Gerard. He just took a lot from it. He's been around the players for now for two weeks, solid. Um, he just seen how they reacted to training sessions, 
grueling training sessions as well. How the how mm. the bodies recover. Who's shown a bit? Who's shown a bit? I think we all know who has. Leon Bailey today. I think yeah. Gerard's had an in-house interview, and he said as much. He's giving food for thought for the Bournemouth game now. And if, if Bournemouth was tomorrow, he'd be starting. Mm-hmm. So that that was very good. Yeah, learn, learn a hell of a lot from the group. He's been pleased with the youngsters, Dan. He really has. Tim Oregbunam, Kane Kessler-Hayden, uh, Ben Crisene, Josh Feeney, he loves as well. So they've benefited, benefited from this this senior tour, tour out in Australia. And yeah, he's got amongst it. Spoke to him about not having Neil Critchley around, which has been a bit of a blow, Dan. Um, he's mm. the, the new assistant head coach, obviously Villa signing from Blackpool to replace Michael Beale. He hasn't travelled, as we know, due to a passport issue. He said he's a bit of a blow not to have him out here, but He's in regular dialogue with him on Zoom, Zoom calls and stuff, and feeding information back and watching sessions. So that's been a bit of a blow. I'll probably do a little, little bit of a winners and losers piece um, on, mm. on, on, on the website over the coming days. Well, I'll put it that now. And yeah, a lot to take from it for, for me personally as well. Um, a lot to take from it as well, given the following Villa I have out here. So that's been huge as well. So yeah, great trip all round, both for Gerard and for myself, Dan, and for Villa. Mm. We've got, we've got a lot out of it. Let's not waste those questions in your notebook then. Let's answer those between us then if we can and we'll try and get a bit of feedback from the comments as well. Who do you think has been the, the biggest benefit of this tour who's improved or impressed the most for Gerard? Quite a difficult question, actually. I was, biggest benefit Bailey, probably. Yeah, I was going to say, the obvious one is probably Bailey, even though a lot of the youngsters have done well. Um, yeah. I think Chambers as well, possibly. We're talking a lot yes. about you know Carlos and Mings being the two and Conte coming back to fitness, and he yeah. was obviously a, a first-team starter last season. I think Chambers offers a massive food for thought as yeah. well that he might even be a potential starter for the, the start of the season. He's looked very good in in most in most Villa games he's played, but in the preseason tour, him and Carlos as a pairing is you could argue that's our best two now. Yeah, yeah, Chambers has really stood out as well. Even even stepping out from the back and putting crosses into the box, mm. become a real outlet. Goal scoring now, Dan. Can't the last time they scored from a corner like that header. Yeah, ages. Ages. So um, that was very very pleasing. Yeah, Chambers, Leon Bailey, the youngsters, they've all stood out. They really have, and yeah, they've taken their chance big time. Mm. Kangas Hayden as well. A lot of people talking about him in, in the in the comments as someone who's impressed and looks looks kind of dangerous every time he comes on the ball he put across for. I can't remember yeah. who it was. It was, it was really nice. Um, I don't think anything came of it, but yeah, a good little cameo from him as well. And it again, it brings up the questions of: Are they now developed enough that they become the backup players? That it's Cash and Kessler as, as a two, and Gilbert is surplus to requirements, or does Gilbert yeah. become number two and, and Kessler now goes off into the Championship on loan potentially? Same for Ira Boonham. Does he go on a Championship loan or League One loan? And the Canvas you back up, or is the Canvas sur- sur- surplus to requirements because Ira Boonham is good enough to be a, a backup defensive midfielder? Mm. Um, Interesting question. I'm not sure I've got the answer to how do you assess the youngsters now you've been over there for 10 days? Yeah, uh, good question. I think I think Kane Kessler has really, really stood out. He really has. I think he's proved proved the points uh, again today that he wants to be, he should be around. He should be around. Gilbert mm. wasn't involved in the squad again. Back-to-back games now, not not even on the bench. But now the 25-man squad, nowhere near it. And so that that's very, very telling. I think Freddie could be off. Tim mm. um, Oregunam, yeah, Gerard buzzing with him. He said if he, he locked in a room now, he had to make a decision. Tim would stay. He's, he's really stood out. There's loads of loads of clubs, clubs queuing up for Tim Dan Championship, high level Championship clubs as well. So I think I think Villa will sit on that decision. I think Gerard said as much. He said he, he wait later on in the window to decide on Tim. Who else? Cameron Archer. Have you scored mm. in the week? And I think he needs he needs to be kept around kept around the group as well. Um, 
he's really improved since he's learned that that Preston loan has really worked out for him. He looks a different player now. He's confident in his interviews and confident on the pitch and a real goal threat. Good movements, finisher. And like you say, with the five subs now, you've got, you got 20 minutes to go. Bring on Archer. He's mm. going to knack of scoring goals. So I'll keep him around as well. So yeah, the, the majority will be kept around. I think Ben Crisena, he'll probably head out given the signing of Ludwig Augustinsson. Yeah. And uh, other than that, I think I think keep them around the group. Good enough. They've, they've shown they're good enough and they've, they've proved it, yeah. Yeah, Leon Bailey, like we said, is probably the biggest beneficiary of this pre-season and he, he will be like a new signing again to get another cliche in there if he can stay fit. And that is the biggest kind of concern with him, isn't he? We've seen before about his, his injury record and I've joked about it a few times about him having cheese string hamstrings or you know made out of paper straws or whatever different things people will use as, as jokes about it it's not funny really but also kind of is um, but if he, he can stay fit it's again it's like a different player it's a different option and as much as Gerald we've said about him not really wanting to play wingers we've seen when you, you're relying on your wingers you, you depth your width to be from your fullbacks it doesn't yeah. quite work if you've got a natural winger sat there who's fit and ready and who's firing in pre-season, Bailey suddenly becomes a, a genuine option to start games. It's just all about fitness, isn't it? He's, he's got to prove that he's reliable to start 30 games. That was a, that was another question in my notebook, Dan, as well. Yeah, see? Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to ask Jared about what, what's Bailey done? Did he, did he have a particular programme in the summer to, to get him back to full fitness? And what's he shown in the tour? What's different about him now, given his... his Troubled times last time, I know injuries struggled with and a bit of form, lots of form and confidence, but now he looks like a different player. We're talking about a £25 million, £30 million player here. Yeah. Who's really exciting. He gives Villa a bit of pace, a bit of purpose. He ran a bit Lindelof earlier and Crest home a great finish. Got a goal scoring threat and and yeah, he could become the player we all we all hoped he what he would have been last season. So yeah, that was another one of my questions. And we'll see, we'll see. Um they return back to the UK. I got Got ahead to France next weekend, and I think Bailey will play a big part in that. And then he'll be, he'll be pushing Gerard to say, "You know what? Start me. I deserve mm. it. I'm, I'm, I'm in form. I'm one of the form players here. Pick me for Bournemouth." And I, th- I think that's, that's a good way to be. That depth we have now, people scrapping for shirts. That's what we want to see. The centre back situation we've talked mm. about. Ming Panzer's back in there. Ming's Chambers, Diego Carlos, all scrapping for shirts. And if you're not on it the one week, you're at risk of losing your shirt, and that could be for the next two, three, four weeks. So. Yeah, healthy competition, and that should bode well for Villa moving into the new season. It really will. Yeah, that's how it should be. If, um, you know, Jack Ramsey, for example, starts at the first game of the season or the first couple and isn't quite on it, he has looked quite over pre-season, to be fair. But he he yeah. has had a long season, the year just gone with the, the England uh, under-19s, was it under-21s as well? Uh, yeah. 21s, yeah. Um, if he's not ready, somebody else comes in, and, and that's the way it goes. You, you have got to be a little bit ruthless to, to a certain extent. Um well, that's Sanson. I suppose he's another one that's on the periphery of things and who, who is getting yeah. minutes in, in terms of, you know, in, in comparison to Gilbert, who, who hasn't. What do you think of that? Is that a, a giving you minutes to stick around or giving you minutes to put you in the shop window? I thought he did a lot, Sanson. He got on the ball quite a lot. He looked hungry to impress today. Bit mm. of a different story the, um, in the week. Uh, was it Leeds game? He didn't really, yeah, didn't really show enough last last time out. But yeah, Sanson was, was quite quite decent today. I think he should stick around. He, he has shown a bit, a bit enough in, in cameos he's had. You know, another one, another question I'd like to ask Jared about Sansan. What's what's he shown in, in in the last two weeks? Can he can he be a big player for Villa finally? Uh, we're yet to see that. So yeah, Sansan did impress. He stood out for me today in that second half. Got on the ball, put a few crosses into the box. 
ran at United and, and got forward. And yeah, I liked his work today, Santon, as as did I thought Douglas Lewis was quite good. A bit of a mm. unsung hero, Dougie. I thought he was good today. I got on the ball and, and settled things down a little bit to, to, to allow for Villa to attack. So yeah, Santon did well. I'll keep him around. I don't know what the comment section tie your thoughts on Santon, but yeah, I thought he did, he did enough today to, to warrant a place. And I know Villa in the market for another midfielder. So we'll see where that goes. And yeah, like you said, Jacob Ramsey hasn't hasn't really hit the heights, but I think he raised the bar that that high down last season. Mm. It's gonna be hard for him to 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 show that again, I think. So we need to need to protect him a little bit. He can come out the side now and again. And but that's that's the that's the blessing of having a good squad. Mm. I know it depends whether you're playing a two in midfield or a three. What what would your midfield setup be with with who we've currently got? I'll ask you about future transfers in a sec. Yeah, you gotta say Kamara McGinn, and then it's one of one of your three there, probably Douglas Louise edging Ramsey at the moment. I'm not sure. A lot, a lot of Ramsey's running the first half. It gives Villa something different in terms of a, a presence going forward, running mm. right at the opposition. Ramsey, Ramsey's right at that. So at the moment, it's probably Kamara, McGinn, Ramsey, but Douglas Louise is on Ramsey's tails big time. And yeah, good options to have. And I think Jared wants to add one more in there. I think he wants real competition. He's got that at the back. He wants it in midfield and maybe, maybe up front as well. But, um, yeah, that'd probably be the midfield three for me. Uh, Kamara McGinn and Ramsey, as as things stand. But, yeah, big shout-out for Douglas today. Played well against Manu. Mm, yeah, I'd be tempted with Douglas over McGinn, to be honest. And it'd be Douglas yes. and Kamara as a bit of a base. Ramsey slightly further forward. And then either Bailey and, and Coutinho, maybe, on the left, behind one striker yeah. as, a four, as a 4-2-3-1. But Ramsey to drop into to a proper three on occasion as well. Um, his options and that's what we'll, we'll talk about you know, as the season progresses we've got our big pre-season preview as I've mentioned a few times this midweek so we'll, um, we'll talk about all this in more depth then in terms of this this um, tour showing Joe what he might need in addition to his current squad are we crying out for an extra midfielder to come in and start and, and we're going Kamara and, and Ramsey are two and the third choice is new number eight who costs £45 million or, or whatever mm. a big money deal yeah, I think I think so. I think Gerard said we can't stop now in terms of A-class signings. He, he spoke in depth, asked him about the Kamara and Diago Carlos deals, Dan, and how he managed to pull them off, given the, the interest in them. Champions League clubs in, in for them. What did you do? He, I said, you lock him in the lock him in a room. He said, no, but he sold the vision to him. He, he, he's seen them in person. I think Gerard's seen, seen targets in person and the pull he has and, and the way he sells, sells Villa and his project going, going ahead. I think that's massive. So, yeah, mm. I, I'm expecting a high-calibre high addition to come in, of course. They need to be pushing him against and Ramsey's, if not taking their shirts off them. And it's a big fight for whoever starts at Bournemouth and going to the new season. They don't want to jump at that level now. Mid-table isn't good enough now. They want to just fight, scrap for them places in the top seven, eight. And we're all trying to upset the order that, that way. So that in order to do that, you can't be buying standard players. You just make you stand still. You need to buy the high-caliber player, the ones who have been, been around the block, the ones who play Champions League football, international football, the ones who can handle the pressure of playing it week after week, the ones who, who want to win. Um, mm. And in Kamara and Diego Carlos, and I think he's got them already. But I think, yeah, one or two more to come. Yeah, a couple of more talking points. One of them will stay with transfers first. What do you think of the striker? Because a lot of the fan base is suggesting, you know, Watkins has had a pre-season to impress and hasn't quite yet. He didn't obviously dropped off last season and compared to his first. I think the commentary on the stream I was watching today was from the Man United end and they were saying, you know, Danny Ings was a one-in-two striker at Southampton, basically something like 47 goals in, in 100 games or something like that. 
Is that right? One and two? Yeah. yeah. And that Villa, he's, yeah. I think he scored seven last year. I dropped off, but he's still an elite finisher and all these different kind of things they were saying about him. Uh, Archer obviously bleeding through and everyone's saying, yes, start him. But you know, he's still only a 19-year-old kid who's not played in the Premier League mm. any more than a couple of minutes here and there. So the yeah. concern is we need another striker. We need this 20-goal striker to come in, this 25-goal striker to come in and be the, the main guy because the others aren't good enough. But there's still that yeah. kind of nagging thought in the back of my head that thinks we've got three strikers there who will all chip in and that's probably good enough for, for Gerard. I'm, I'm not sure how you read the situation there. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you, Dan. I think he, he seems it's good enough at the moment and if they're playing well behind them, chances will come and they're going to be taking them. So, yeah, I don't think strikers not have a pressing need at the moment. I think they'll decide later on Archer as well. We do yeah. need to start putting the ball in the back of the net. Like, I do understand the concerns of the, of the striker front. Like, we scored one goal against Leeds, one goal against Brisbane Raw, one from Bailey today, and then a last stitch kind of coming together from a centre back yeah. right at the end. Like, it, it, this isn't kind of pre season where I know the standard is different, but. Watkins is banging in a hat trick and we're going, Oh yeah, like he's ready, like he looks he looks fired yeah. up, he's had his finishing coach, he's clearly improved, he's ready to go, like there is a little bit of a concern there. But yeah. if the right deal doesn't become available, I don't know who this twenty goal striker is. Like if it's a few weeks ago and it's Gabriel Gabriel Jesus and we're going, Oh yeah, elite level from Man City, really improves what we've got, fifty million done. Like that makes sense. A Tammy Abraham, mm. another kind of similar calibre of player. But if it's like I can't think of a good example here, but if it's like 12, 14 million we sign on a striker who's, you know, second choice kind of thing, I kind of wonder what's the point of that. It's got to kind of be a exactly. big deal or nothing, doesn't it? And if the yes. big deal doesn't become available, then I think we're going to be stuck with the three that we've got. I think that that'll be the case. I think they'll have the three that they've got at the moment. Um, I expect Keenan to head out probably later in the window once he's back fit. And mm. yeah, I think, you know, I don't think there's real panic stage at the moment I know it's, everyone wants to see his, his strikers in, in the goals in pre-season but I think I think Villa need to create more chances for them it's not like they're missing bags of chances is it and yeah. De Gea wasn't really worked today was he he wasn't really worked mm. at all De Gea so uh, I think they need to start creating chances I think Coutinho needs to show a little bit more as well in the final third he, he looked frustrated today Coutinho I think on the ball as much and I think Fred, Fred did a job on him so yeah chance creation needs to improve Dan um from the midfielders and from the fullbacks, obviously, as well. So I think that's more of a concern for me, carving out real clear cut chances so your Ings and Watkins can finish them. Yeah. All right, captaincy. I know you've asked Gerard about it and done a story on that, but again, today we saw that Mings started in the same side as Martinez, and it was Mings back with the armband today. Yeah. Um, obviously, Mings goes off, and then so does Martinez for Olsen later, and, and McGinn gets the armband for the last 25 minutes or so. Um, What's your take on the captain's situation? Will that be sorted before France, do we think? Or will it just be, we'll only know the captain before Bournemouth? Yeah, maybe. Maybe just after France in the week up leading to Bournemouth. Yeah, still up for grabs, according to Gerard. Um, but obviously, he said, what, two or three are in the frame. Them two or three, I think it's obvious. It's Mings, Martinez or McGinn. I think that, that'll be the case. And yeah, interesting one. We spoke about that last night, didn't we? Um, hmm. if, if Mings is stripped to the captaincy, could that upset the dressing room? Possibly could, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's still up for grabs. Interesting Gerard's comments on it yesterday, saying there's two or three in the frame. I haven't decided yet. I'm going to, I'm going to make my decision next week. Um, he's basically announcing his own new long-term Villa captain. So he wanted to have a look at the group in pre-season at close quarters. Who's the who's the real leader here? And like you mentioned, Dan, yesterday saying Tyra Mings' space in the 11 isn't, isn't guaranteed, is it, given the depth Villa have now? So, yeah, interesting one, I think... I think it'll roll on. Probably say Mings at the moment, but 
I think McGinn, I think Martin's got a good shout as well. I've seen mm-hmm. his interview yesterday. Speaks well, does he, Martinez? Got, 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 got the respect to the dressing room. Everyone loves him and he really wants to push Villa on as well. So I think Martin's in with a sneaky shout, as is McGinn. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll end up being Martinez. I think there'd be, because there was the talk when Gerard even first came in about, you know, I've got to find a, see who my captain is, and it was Mings that stuck with it. That must felt yeah. a little bit convenient to keep it with Mings because he's already got it, so let's just not disrupt it. Yes. Pre-season yeah. now, new assistant manager, my style of players, I've got, I'm doing all these these things. Like we said, I don't think Mings is a guaranteed starter, so to name him captain, if he might only play 60% of the games or something, is is a bit of a strange choice, but I know it keeps things kind of... the, the can, can, Continuity, continuity, continuity of having the same captain as before. Um, but Martinez will play every single game if he's fit, so yeah. he will be captain for every single game in the league. So that makes sense to give it to him, and he's at the back of things, and he kind of sets the standards. Then of you know he does speak very well, so I assume he's got the same kind of mentality in the dressing room as well. So Martinez yeah. makes sense, um, but I wouldn't be against Mings keeping it. I think Mings is a good captain. Just depends on what his game time is going to be like. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Martin is, is, is a real winner, isn't he, Dan? He's a real winner. Mm. I think Gerard wants to. He's taking Villa into a, n- a new era now. It's, it's it's going places. Villa. I think he wants to just freshen things up a bit, keep players on the toes, um, and that's with the captain as well. I'd be interested how Mings reacts. Should, should that should he should he be stripped of it? Yeah, sounds a bit harsh saying stripped of captaincy, but it's just a, just a changing changing dynamics in the dressing room. So yeah. I think I quite like that decision from Gerard to, to keep everyone on the toes and we'll have an announcement on that, I'm guessing, next week. I mean, if Mings does lose the captaincy, I still have this leadership group where Mings, Martinez and McGinn are clearly in that, so it's someone like yeah. Ashley Young. So they're still involved in being kind of a, a senior pro in, in the dressing room. I don't think it will harm Mings too much. It might even up his game to think, yeah. well, you know, I've got a point to prove now. I've, I've, lost the, I've lost the armband, so I need to step up and show that I should have never lost it. Might also take a bit of pressure off him that he can now just focus on his game rather than being the leader and organising stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know he'll still play like a captain. He'll still organise from the back as he does, whether he wears the armband or not. So it doesn't matter that much. I don't think it matters as much as it used to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting the dynamic it creates more so than anything, and, and what the um, dressing room reacts to, to a change if there is a change. Um, I think that's it from the from the game. To be honest, I didn't want to go too in depth. And we've already done twenty five minutes. It's, like I said, it's, first half was rubbish. Second half was better. Bailey's the the key standout. That's basically the takeaways from from Man United for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk finally. We've, we've done it a few times in these podcasts that we've done. We, we've probably done more podcasts in the last ten days than we have over any ten day period before. With three games and plenty of check ins with you when you're travelling around different parts of Australia, uh, training sessions, pressers, all these different things. So, like I say, we have touched on this elsewhere, but give us your kind of summary now because you've got one more day there. You just said the Villa squad fly back ASAP. Um, you've got the whole of Sunday there. I think you said you might go and take in an A-League game as well if you if you get time. Um, but this is the last yeah. time we'll check in and do a podcast while you're in Australia. So, for those that have watched all the content that we've bought and all the stories you've written and the, and the photos and the videos and all things like that, just summarise the, the last 10 days, the last nine days that you've had. Yeah, very surreal, Dan. Yeah, very surreal. Lucky to be doing this job and uh, thanking you guys and work for sending me out here. I think it's important to be out here, to be, be a presence. And mm. the feedback we've had um, has been great from the Clarity podcast as well and, and what we're doing. So, yeah, very, very humbling experience, very surreal. And, yeah, Villa are huge out here. And I think they should be doing it again in a couple of years' time or later down the line. So, yeah, fantastic experience. 
one I'll, yeah, one I'll never forget. And yeah, the, the people are so friendly out here, real friendly. Everyone talks to you, and the Villa fans are, love the club as much as we do. And, and they're ten thousand miles away, and it's a credit to them that, that, that they get up at stupid o'clock to, to watch Villa and to tune in and they listen to us waffling on and they, they love it. They can't get enough. Can't get enough of it. So yeah. I've had a great time. The Villa fans here, those from the UK, I think about 20-odd have travelled from the UK, from Birmingham and Dublin. I've, I've met, met some great guys. I've met, I've met friends for life as well. Davo and Jody, they're from Melbourne. They cooked me an English breakfast this morning. I walked up to them. Never met them nice. before. Ten days ago, never met them before. I'm having breakfast with them. Um, and yeah, the, the, the Villa sports from back home and, and over here, overwhelming. It really has a lot of sides. Emotionally the other day. And yeah, I've been blown away by the support we've had. And yeah. Australia's been crazy, so thanks for all the love and the support. And I hope I've done a decent enough job for you with more to come later on this evening. So, yeah, fantastic experience. And yeah, love to come back. Bring you next mm-hmm. time, Dan. Oh, I'd love to come. Oh, I'd absolutely love I'd love to have been there with, along your side doing things with the, all the proper camera gear and mics and you know, really going yeah, to town yeah. with it. I'd have, I'd have geeked out over that. That would have been so good. Um, I love that I've asked you about your experience with Australia, and it's not about. Aston Villa and the football and the three lots of 90 minutes played. That's a, that's a byproduct. You're just there to take all, all the things in and the experience with all and the the um, people you've met and stuff like that. So, yeah, it sounds like a, a really good trip and I, I think you've represented our, our fan base well over there and brought some good stuff back in terms of awesome. videos and pictures and, and stories and stuff as well. So, yeah, some loads of nice feedback in the comments on podcasts we've done. So, I've enjoyed the, the Australian updates. Um, like I said, this is the last time we'll check in now. You fly back to Sunday night, so you'll be back in the UK Monday afternoon. Um, we're doing our big pre-season yep. podcast on Wednesday, so that'll probably be the next time that you and me chat on a video. Anyway, I'll have to speak before then. Um, and then you fly off to France on Friday, is that right? Yeah, Friday night, I think about 7, seven o'clock in the evening. Uh, Friday night, stay over in Paris, and then I had to rent Saturday morning, okay. early Saturday morning, get into getting to rent about 12 noon and then kickoffs at six local time 6 p.m rent mm. so a bit, bit of a bit of a in and out tour of, of rent really you know a few of the, the clubs are going over bedford lions i think i'm looking forward to meeting up with them yeah it should be really good i think it's a few 1300 tickets will have sold for that one so i think it'll be about like 2000 out there so it'll be much 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 bigger villa presence mm. out there in terms of numbers but yeah uh, looking forward to that one in france and that's that's the rehearsal for bournemouth isn't it really Mm. Can read a lot into next week's showing against against Wren. And um yeah, I think a few players could be headed out before then. And yeah, as Gerard shapes his squad. So you're looking forward to Wren, looking forward to meeting up with Villa fans over there. We'll get some video again. People having a good time. And mm-hmm. um yeah, same again. Yeah, so we've got a we've got a podcast coming out tomorrow or, or Monday of me and me and Matt Kendrick uh, retelling the story of Stan Petrov's uh, nearly comeback in 2016, which was a, a good discussion we had about um, whether Di Matteo nice. should have given him the contract or not. Wednesday, we're filming our preseason preview, which will be out Wednesday night or Thursday, depending on how long it takes me to edit it. And then from Friday onwards, we'll see plenty of updates from France. Saturday, we'll probably do a pre-match video or a, a tour of the ground or something like that post-match yeah, show yeah. on the on Saturday night as well so 5 o'clock kickoff for UK time so we'll do a podcast 8pm 9pm something like that um, and then like I said it's a build up to Bournemouth then from the week afterwards so plenty of stuff still coming your way on the Clamp podcast and now all our social channels and obviously on Birmingham Live and the newsletter and all those kind of written updates as well loads of comments coming in saying well done Ash pleasure to meet you thanks for the stuff you're doing all those kind of things that's lovely to see awesome. Um, yeah, Ash, thanks for your time. Get yourself some sleep. Enjoy your day tomorrow with whatever you do. 
Um, thanks to everyone who's watching yep. along live with this on Saturday afternoon as Villa end their tour down under. And uh, yeah, stay tuned to all our stuff and we'll see you again in a couple of days. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.